Welcome to Ballers with Babies. I'm Mark Willard. Today we know so much about what athletes and sports personalities do, but not so much about who they are, what makes them tick. What's life like the moment the stadiums and TV cameras go dark? Most go home to their families. We want to know what that after-hours experience is like. Ballers with Babies explores their upbringing, their home life, how it's affected by their high-profile job, and how that high-profile job is affected by the home life. On Ballers with Babies, we talk to some of the most interesting names in sports and find out how they're even more interesting than we realized. And don't worry, diehard fan, we'll get to the important sports questions as well. This is your favorite people like you've never heard them before. I hope you enjoy. All right, let's get him in here on Ballers with Babies. Chris Broussard, my good friend, my man. I'm excited about this one because, uh, first of all, as we all know, you're a man who can who can certainly talk some damn hoops, uh, and, and you get passionate about it. Uh, but if people think that you only get passionate about the NBA, that means they've never heard you talk about, A, your daughters, and they B, never heard you talk about your faith. So for you, what order do do those all go in? Wow. Well, I think everything starts with my faith. So I put God above everything, and then second is family which would include my daughters, obviously, and my wife of almost 24 years now. And then three would be my career, so which I guess would include the NBA. So uh, so that's the order that I put everything in, God, family, career. I have a daughter. She's only 10. You've been through childhood, adolescence, and now young adulthood with two daughters. Uh, warn me. What do I, what do I have coming here? <laughs> Wow, man. It, you know, every every stage has its different challenges. Every stage. I was blessed that my daughters didn't have any major problems, you know, no no problems with school or uh drugs or anything like that. So they're they're juniors now, they're finishing up their junior year of college. One is at University of Pennsylvania, Alexa, she's a psychology major. And Jeff actually was inducted into the National Honor Society for Psychology. I saw that. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And the other one, Noel, is at Michigan. She majors in communications, and she is uh, has an internship. She'll be out here joining me in California this summer because she uh, has an internship at a production company out here. So she's interested in production. So they're both on the dean's list, both doing really well. Uh, but – I would the one bit of advice I would give, or one of the bits of advice, I always try to keep the door the the door open for communication. So, like, if they said something to me that my inside I might be stunned or shocked, <laughs> I would never show them. You know what I mean? Because I always wanted them to be able to talk with me about things. So I, I talk to my girls about everything. Like I talk to them about sex and drugs and alcohol and, you know, boys and school and just everything. And so I think if you can keep that door of communication open, that's a great thing to do uh, because you'll always know what's going on in their life and they'll feel comfortable talking to you about those things i it, my daughters call me i talk to them about boys like now they're dating and you know i talk to them about the men that they're dating and, and so on and so forth uh so it's 
it's that's a good situation. The second thing I would say is you don't want to break your child's spirit, you know, and sometimes that society can do that or experiences outside of the home. But for as long as you can, I think you want to keep that, that childlike innocence, you know, about your child and that joy that children just have. And again, that's, it's obviously in the parents' control to a large degree, uh, but, you know, something at school, something they're exposed to, something with some of their friends could happen that could really break their spirit. So one thing I always tried to do was, you know, keep uh, keep their spirit from being broken and kind of keep that childlike excitement and passion going for as long as I could. And I used experiences that they went through or that they saw take place with their classmates or teammates or whatever it may have been as teaching, you know, experiences and and learning experiences. And I would talk to them about that. Like they had, um, you know, they had some classmates. They went to private schools and, you know, my wife and I are doing well, so they went to expensive private schools. And they had classmates who were wealthy, you know, very, very wealthy, wealthier than us, bigger houses and stuff than us, but who had problems, you know, like, you know, uh, I mean, one classmate was addicted to video games and went to rehab for video game rehab. You know, one was cutting himself and, you know, cutting his wrist and one was, would just burst out in tears every day at school and stuff. And so I use things like that to talk to them about how it, as important as money is, as important as success is, worldly success and all that, that is not all there is to life. You know, just having a, a bunch of money and having, you know, a bunch of material things and wealth does not necess- is not necessarily going to make you happy and make you content and make you a complete and whole individual emotionally and mentally and spiritually. So I would use things like that as teaching tools for them. Uh, one of your daughters, I think you said Noel, is, is Noel the one who's coming out to, to intern at the production company? So, yes. Yeah, okay, yes. okay so uh, a, a career in entertainment, are you encouraging that or are you <laughs> are you warning her about that? Well, I'm, you know, look, I'm encouraging what she wants to do. So obviously I'm supportive in that regard. I do understand the challenges and potential pitfalls that could be there. So I will talk with her and sit down and, you know, like we'll have a lot of time together this summer, which is great. So I'll definitely, you know, talk to her about Hollywood and about, you know, the, the, the things, the challenges, the pitfalls. Uh, that could be there that she has to steer clear of. And and I have talked to them about, you know, um, how you see, kind of like I just said, you know, don't sell your soul for worldly success. And, you know, we see a lot of successful people committing suicide, you know, recently and things like that. And, again, it's not worth it. And, you know, you and I, I mean, we're both on the radio and and obviously I do television. Like, we have a small degree of fame. And, you know, you you know how it is. Like, it's it's nice and flattering at times, and you get some little benefits here and there. But um, at the end of the day, if you're just living for people to think 
like for for the cheers and the applause of other people, then that's not going to be a very fulfilling life. And um, so I talked to them about that stuff, and uh, and I will talk with her more about you know just things to watch for in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry. And certainly, uh, you know, I've already talked to her about the Me Too stuff. If you ever come across anything like that, tell me, tell your mother, tell both of us. Yeah. uh, And we will, you know, we'll do what we can to help out with it and handle it, but don't ever fall for anything like that. Uh, Here's something I've I've always really wanted to ask you, and and I think it it, it kind of furthers the discussion we're having about, uh, about, you know your your daughters and 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 how that blends with what you do. You're a dedicated man of faith. You've already mentioned that. You've got two daughters. There's a lot going on in pro sports at times that challenges that. Do you ever have moral dilemmas in covering the sport that you love? You mean in terms of like domestic violence on the part of athletes. Sure, like that. Not sure. Only that, but yeah. I, right, I'm, even just the culture. Even the, the Tiger Woods. Right, right. The, beha- the behavior the behavior that we know is 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 the norm inside professional sports. Uh, stars in a fishbowl on the road. I'm not judging. Yep. I'm simply saying yep. it's different than the, the, the life that the guy lives who just has a, a wife and kids and is focused on that. Right. You know, what I've learned, Mark, over just years ago in covering professional sports, and to be honest, even just as a fan of it, I I have learned to divorce the person's or the athlete's character from their achievements as an athlete. And I don't even want to say it's just athletes. I've done it with entertainers. You know, I don't know if I can say I've done it with politicians uh, to to a large extent, but you know, I I I just under like when I was younger, I had again that innocence as a child. I remember, like I think I was in eighth grade when I read about Chuck Muncie. Remember Chuck Muncie? Of course, he was a little younger than me, but yeah, like, but no, the goggles, the yeah. Chargers, sure, yeah, I remember yeah, him. Yeah, Chargers and all that, and he was. I remember reading the story in Sports Illustrated, uh, and this obviously was in the eighties. And he was a cocaine addict, you know, star football player, cocaine addict. And at that time, that really, I was stunned. I was shocked. I was a bit shaken, you know, by reading about that. And then Quentin Daly, who was a really good college basketball player and was accused of rape, you know, when I think he went to the University of San Francisco, and he was accused of rape. So at that time of my life, Seeing my heroes, athletes, you know, have these moral issues really stunned me and shook me. But as I got into adulthood and and obviously covering the sport and and hearing about stuff on a, you know, even that the public doesn't hear about certain athletes, I just learned to divorce, you know, like I don't – now, granted, if somebody does something egregious, you know, like a Tyreek Hill is accused of doing, if that's the case, then, yeah, that, that's one thing. But um, I've just kind of, you know, I, I remember one time, uh, and part of it is my faith. Like, being a Christian, you know, we have, as a Christian, we try to live by biblical standards, obviously, Jesus Christ's teachings and his morals. And those are moral standards that, 
forget it. It's most of society today doesn't try to live by. And so as a Christian, you learn, I, I work around people, work with people and friends with people who don't have the same moral code or moral beliefs that I do. And that doesn't mean I look down on them or dislike them or anything like that. I, I got plenty of friends who have very different moral codes than I have. And, you know, the Bible talks about that, like to, it, it says, you, you know, you, you have world. You don't become of the same mentality as those who are outside of the body of Christ in this, in this case, but you do have to live in this world with people that don't. You're supposed to love them, show compassion to them, friend them, live with them. And uh, so I, I, that's, I, that goes for athletes, my neighbors, you know, people I work with, whatever. I don't, I don't really judge them uh, by the same Christian standards that I know I'm called to live by. Unless they claim to be a Christian, then it's different. Then it's like, well, you, you're claiming this, then you should be living by these teachings. Uh, again, not saying I just totally gloss over the some of this stuff that goes on. Um, I'll comment on it and, you know, obviously talk about it on the radio and on television and give my opinion. But I really don't. I, 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 nothing at this point shocks me. Right. You know, and that's right. sad. You know, it's sad because at one point, like I said, it did. But there's nothing. If I heard, I don't know that anything I would hear about an athlete would shock me anymore because I've heard so much, I've seen so much, and uh, so yeah, that's just that's just how it is. Do, do you find yourself? Have you gotten into a lot of conversations over the years with players about life? And, and and other off-the-court topics? Some. I've certainly had those conversations with guys, um, whether it's texting or web, which is obviously recently, but or just before, you know, the social media was as big as it was, just conversations with guys, uh, whether it was at dinner, at their homes, um, or what, whatever it was, you know, look, most of the time when I was a reporter and, you know, a beat writer and things like that, the overwhelming majority of the time you're around players, you're talking about that sport and you're interviewing them based on that sport. But the times when I've really been able to, to get away and talk to players, like when I started writing for ESP in the magazine, and I did it before that too, but I, I guess I'll put it this way. When you can get the players away from the game, like if you if you get to know a guy fairly well and you guys will go out to lunch, you know, you go out to dinner. Or, or when I started writing for ESPN, the magazine, I would spend days with the player. And as a magazine writer, you spend a lot more time. You get a lot more quality time with them than as a newspaper writer. Newspaper writer, you're at the games, you're at practice. It's kind of very much – and ur- a sense of urgency because everything is for this story I'm about to write for tomorrow's paper. Whereas at magazine, I would, I would go out to dinner with guys, be at their home. I would spend full days with guys. I, I went over to Europe when Brandon Jennings went over to Italy straight out of high school, man, I was with him all like all day for like a week, two weeks straight, him and his mom, his brother, and so that's the type – when you get that type of access, 
that's when you really can get into these types of conversations with players. Obviously, some players that, that have Christian faith like I do, we've talked about things as well. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been able to have some conversations with these guys. Not as many as I would like, but I never force it. You know what I mean? You don't want to force it on somebody. But when the doors open, when they clearly want to talk, or when something happens where it's a natural, you know, pathway to a conversation about that, I'll certainly, you know, talk with guys about that stuff. And, and let me say this about, because you talked to the previous question about, you know, my daughters and, and contradictions in what we, as far as guys we cover. Yeah. You know, one thing about my daughters, my wife is not a sports fan at all. Like, she she is not – she knows Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, <laughs> LeBron. You know, you have to be on that level for her to know who you are, uh, right? She and cannot pronounce – she cannot pronounce a tenacumpo, is that right? Oh, no, no, no. not at all. <laughs> and she don't even – she never even heard of him, believe me. All right? <laughs> and um, she's more into the art. She was a dancer. And, you know, she's into that whole – Broadway shows, Alvin Ailey dance and all that stuff. And um, so, and believe it or not, we've never, we've sat down, since we've been married, we have sat down to watch a game together, just us two, one time. No way. One time. Like, now, we would have Super Bowl parties. And sure. And she'd be a part of the party. So, you know, she's there with everybody else, kind of watching his wives there and stuff. But as far as just us two, we have sat down, and some of it may have been because I was traveling so much that, you know, I was gone a lot, and, and so we didn't sit down and watch games. But the last, the only game, like, from beginning to end or even the bulk of a game that it was just she's going to sit down and watch it with me was this, this past Super Bowl. And she couldn't believe that I was pulling for Tom Brady and the Patriots <laughs> because she was like, how are you pulling for a cheater? He, isn't he a cheater? Like, you know, right. and all that. So, um, <laughs> but my point is this. So my daughters are not really big sports fans. They, they played field hockey in high school and uh, they were good. They actually made like all, all state, you know, all district. They, they, their team was ranked in the state and they, they, they were good. Um, but they weren't into basketball, football, you know, anything like that. And I got to be honest, the thing I liked about that was that, like, they're not – my daughters will not be starstruck and fall for a guy just because he's a superstar athlete. Mm-hmm. They, could, they couldn't care less if you play for the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> or the New York – you know what I mean? Like, honestly – which is great, you know. And that is great. A player, you know, like, so I'm not worried uh, about that, which is great. Now, they've met LeBron James and Magic Johnson and, <laughs> you know, a lot of these stars. And, you know, to them it was they taking pictures with them. And it's like, hey, nice, you know. And they, right. you know <laughs> but, uh, but I do like that because I, I would not want my daughters, you know, to be so, so many women are starstruck. Yep. And just, you know, they just, they just. They uh they'll fall for these guys just because of the position they have as an athlete, and that's one thing I'm thankful for that my daughters wouldn't do that. Continuing with Chris Broussard on Ballers with Babies, uh, Chris, you're a man with a microphone, so I want to ask you, uh, what's your message? You know, is there something beyond your thoughts? And I know there is your thoughts on LeBron James 
uh, that you feel on a day-in and day-out basis is kind of your thing that is important to share with the world? Well, for me, you know, outside of sports, uh, which is obviously what we talk about most when we're on the air, I do, you know, want to share my faith with people. Um, That's one of the tenets of being a Christian, you know, sharing the good news with others. And, you know, you've worked, you and I had a radio show together. We've worked beside each other. We've gone out to dinner. And, you know, I don't force it. Again, I don't force it on anybody. You know, I've never, you know, judged you or forced, tried to force things on you or, you know what I mean? Beliefs on you or anybody else. So it's not about that. But just trying to be, you know, live a, a clean life and, you know, um, be an example to, to others um, of what what my God has done for me um, and the joy that he's given me. So that's one thing. And, and, you know, the blessings of family. There's so many young people, so many people in general, but particularly young people who are growing up in broken homes and, um, you know, they didn't have a father figure or a father in the home or even in their life. And so I would like to be an example to guys of, uh, you know, how to be a, a good father, how to be a husband, um, and even talk to them, answer questions about things like that. Uh, so I would say that, and then particularly all people, of course, but, you know, there are a lot of challenges that African-Americans face, African-American men. And so I definitely, like, one thing I like about having this platform is that people want to hear from me, you know. Um, so when you know it, when we speak, like if I go somewhere to speak, I speak at colleges, churches, you know, high schools, things like that. I have the crowd. Like I don't have to win over the crowd. You know, a lot of times as a speaker, you might have to win the crowd initially to get them to pay attention to what you're saying. But I never have to do that because people are so into me because, oh, he covers sports. He's on Fox. He used to be on ESPN. He's he's interviewed LeBron James and Michael Jordan and guys like that. So I have the crowd at the beginning. Now, if I lose them, that's my fault. Right. You know what I mean? If I'm that boring or whatever. But I don't have to win them. And I like that because it does give you an opportunity to share with people beyond sports uh, just about things in life that can help them. Really, I guess in a nutshell, to answer your question, you really want to try to, uh, by example and also by words, try to help impact people's lives in a positive way. And that goes well beyond sports, whether it's talking about education, whether it's talking about faith, whether it's talking about economic empowerment, your career, how to choose a career, you know, whatever it may be, family life, raising children. You know, I want to use this platform to be able to impact people positively in those areas. You know, in those uh, a lot of areas there, and I know you, you mentioned it right there, you do a lot of speaking engagements. You get invited uh, to, to, you know, present yourself uh, to, to people all the time. What are they usually asking you to to come talk about? Is it sports or is it other stuff? Well, I do. I speak at a lot of churches, so those are obviously, you know, more spiritually Christian-based things they want me to talk about. Uh, when I speak at colleges, it's certainly based around my career. You know, um, my journalist, you know, the journalism that, that I, I've been a part of, um, you know, how to choose a career, 
how to be successful in your career, uh, things like that. Um, those are the two main things. Um, I'm trying to think, have I talked a lot about family? It's mainly the faith when it comes to churches. And then colleges, it, it is more career-oriented type stuff. How do you answer the question that I know you get at colleges because I've I've done some uh you know some teaching work at the university level and 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 so I know it's the 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 same question people ask us in this position all the time which is how do I get in so so someone says I want to get into broadcasting Chris Broussard how do I do it what do you say to them Well what assuming they're young you know they're in high school or college cuz you you know how it is a lot of times you get people who are in their 30s, 40s, even 50s, who want to do what we do. And I'm real with them. I'm saying, I say, look, it's probably too late. You know, I mean, you can try. I'm not going to say it's never. I'm not going to say it's impossible. But uh, it's hard. This is a challenging field. It's a field that everybody wants to be a part of, you know, most men who like sports. And there are only so many positions. And so that's why it's important if you if you really like sports and you want to be in this field to get, you know, targeted toward doing that as young as you can. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, like I said, there have been those who've made the transition, but it's very difficult later in life. Uh, so I, what I say to younger people is, you know, nowadays it's so much different than when I came out. When I came out, it was like you kind of chose between print journalism and broadcast journalism, you know. And so I chose print because I had some interest, didn't really have training in broadcast journalism, but I had some interest in it. Uh, But it was just easier to get into print, and I had job offers in print. And so I went that route. And then in the 90s especially, and it probably happened here and there before that, but in the 90s, they began really putting a lot of reporters on television for their information and, and those that had, you know, good information, those that had some type of charisma and were comfortable in front of the TV cameras kind of morphed into these TV personalities uh, and either stopped writing altogether or continued to write but certainly did a lot of television. And so um, that was kind of the case with me. But what I tell young people is with technology today, you can really get, you know, like, for instance, in my day, if you wanted to apply to a newspaper or magazine, you had to have clips. You had to have, you know, writing clips and articles you had written, which you could not do. You could not get those if you didn't work in a paper. But nowadays, the Internet has democratized things to some degree where, let's say I'm in college and I don't have, maybe I write on the, the school paper. Of course, you, you, those are the normal, natural things you do. If you're in college, get involved and write in your, you know, write on your newspaper or your internet website, cover the local teams, the college teams, do your broadcast. You know, if there's a TV station at your school, radio station, you know, all that is natural, of course. Uh, but beyond that, you could write, you could start a blog. And you can write, you know, clips. And and I know it's different than covering a game, but it can show your writing ability, your knowledge of the sport, your, you know, just just your ability as a writer 
as a sports writer. And so that's one thing. You And, and not only writing, you can, you know, practice in front of a camera. You know, sure. obviously with today's technology, you can – and I say write articles and compare them to what you see in the newspaper on the Internet. Uh, do do broadcast yourself or now it's just yourself and compare it to Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or whoever you see on television, Adam Schefter, whoever it may be. Um, so there and, – and then you, those can become clips for you that you can use when you apply – for a job, or if you start a blog and, you know, you do it well enough, it's unique enough, it's creative enough where you really draw a lot of people to your site, that's a way to move into the mainstream media business. So there, whereas there aren't as many newspaper jobs as there were when I was coming out of school, um, there are more non-traditional ways for someone to get into the media business than there were when you and I were coming out. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody. Right. I kind of compare it to, like, you know, you've heard stories of rappers, Master P and others, who sold their albums out of their trunk when they first started, and then they sold so much that a big label wanted to sign them. It's kind of like that. You know, you can write your own blog, and if it's unique enough, if it's creative enough, maybe a, a bigger – uh, platform would want to take you on and, and give you a job. So those are things you can do outside of the traditional and still best ways, which is going to college, majoring in, you know, journalism or broadcasting, communications, whatever it may be, and just going about those, you know, getting your experience and your teaching at college. Um, I got a fun one here, and I, I lo always love asking this whenever I have one of our industry brethren on, especially those who have been in locker rooms and around teams and players. Uh, pretend your girls are still seven or eight years old, something along those lines. You've got to pick one NBA player to babysit them for an evening so you and Crystal can go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are you picking? It has to be an NBA. Well, I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> one of my rules was I, I never had boys or men babysit my girl. Okay, that's that's fair. That's so fair. That, that, so I, I would pick a WNBA player for okay. an NBA player. But if I had to pick a player, Steph Curry. Yeah, that, well, that makes sense. That's simple. That's simple. And there are other good guys, of course, but, yeah, Steph, definitely. All right, home stretch with uh, Chris Broussard. Let's get to some of the uh, the sports stuff that's out there right now. Uh, Chris, Houston Rockets style, good or bad for basketball? You know, I, I'm glad you asked that. Now, I have nothing against the Rockets. I think they're a great team. I think Harden, obviously Chris Paul, these are all-time great players. Um, and I like my – I actually think – I was arguing with Rob Parker about this yesterday on our radio show, The Eye Couple – I actually think Mike D'Antoni's a Hall of Fame coach. Huh. Uh, I don't, I don't know that he'll ever win a championship, but I just think he's had such an impact on the game, and he's had success. Obviously, he's had some failures in New York and L.A. too, but um, I, I think he's been a very good regular season coach for the most part. But uh, I kind of compare him to a Donnie Nelson. Um, yeah. However, uh, to answer your question, I don't think it's good for basketball. Um, and here's why I believe like they have taken in this, in the first two games of their series with golden state, 
The Rockets have taken seven mid-range shots. Seven. The whole team. That means everything else was in the paint or a three-pointer. James Harden has taken one mid-range shot. And so that if, if they're successful, and they are to a degree, then a lot of teams around the league are going to follow them. The Milwaukee Bucks actually attempted more three-pointers than Houston this year. And so why I, I don't want the game to become all three-pointers and paint shots. I, like, I think balance is better in sports. For instance, in football, I don't want three yards in a cloud of dust, yep. and I don't want an arena football. I want a mixture of passing and running. It doesn't have to be 50-50, but I want both. In baseball, I think baseball is messing up right now. I was just reading something today by Jason Stark of The Athletic where home runs are way above where they were in the steroid era. Yep. They're on pace to have about 1,000 more home runs this year than the highest year of the steroid era. And singles, singles are way down. <laughs> singles, triples, intentional walks, and stolen bases. So now it's becoming home run or bust. You know, they don't care if you strike out anymore. It's home run or bust. And, again, I, obviously I love the home run, the long ball and all that. But I also loved I, – I used to love stolen bases. Lou Brock, Reggie um, or Ricky Henderson. You know, I mean, that was a great, exciting part of the game. Small ball, manufacturing runs. I love that. I want a mix. I want that and some home runs. Um, and, in, and in basketball, I, I want post play. I want mid-range game. I want three-pointers. And I want fast break basketball. I think that's when games are best, when there's a balance. So I think, Mark, what the NBA needs to do, and I've talked with Stu Jackson about this. He's worked, obviously, at every level of the league. They need to really watch this. I'm not saying they have to do anything now. But they need to keep an eye on this and watch to if the game does become all threes and paint shots. And – if if it gets to there, I think there's a threshold, there's a breaking point, and if it gets to that breaking point where the game is no longer very fun to watch, um, then I think that I, my proposal is that you cut off the three point line at the free throw line extended, and so there you get rid of that corner three. And so if you get rid of that, not even just the corner three, but that kind of side three. If you get rid of that side three, you still will have three-point shots, but you'll also it will force the, you to have post play again, and it will lead to more mid-range play again, and that will be balanced. You won't be able to put four guys on the on the three-point line and then one ball handler and he drives or, and kicks it out. Right. You know that won't be the whole game. So. That's what I propose. I, I do, though, to answer your question, I do think is a problem. I didn't even get to the manipulation of the officials. Well, yeah, and, I think, I mean, it, it, it like just, that. yeah, it feels to me like they, they've, they've almost overplayed their hand, kind of psyched themselves out. It's like, right. it's as if they can't beat the Warriors at basketball, so they got to try something different. Um, I, I want to ask you about LeBron as well. Do you think he's won his last championship? I do. I do. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say 100%, but... If if I had to bet, if you put a gun to my head, okay, is LeBron winning another title or not, I would say no. 
And that is leaving room for them to get Anthony Davis. I think LeBron, because he's so ball dominant, because he does everything, that's kind of the blessing and the curse of being a, so versatile as a player. Um, because he does everything, he's great, good enough to be a system unto himself, which has allowed him to win a ton of games. He's obviously one of the all-time greats. Um, but I also think it makes it a real challenge for other stars to play with him. I think you can do it. Obviously, he and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh worked it out. Kyrie Irving, they all won championships. But I think it was more so because they were all so great. They were just such great individual players that they could win. It wasn't like this great free-flowing system like you see with Golden State, like you saw with the Showtime Lakers. Uh, even Shaq and Kobe, because one was in the per, on the box and Shaq, and one was over the, on the perimeter. Uh, it was just that LeBron and Wade are so great. And Chris Bosh became a glorified role player. Right. It was just because LeBron and Kyrie were so great. So if they get Anthony Davis, I think it's going to be an adjustment for Anthony Davis. They'd be great. They'd be in the hunt. And I wouldn't write them to say they can't win a championship, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. And so, uh, and LeBron's getting older. If LeBron was younger, and I'm thinking, okay, even if they get Anthony Davis, it's going to take them a year to really adapt to each other. That's one thing because LeBron would still be, you know, in his prime. But every year you would think at some point he's going to start to decline. And a lot of people will tell you he, they thought he declined this year, even, you know, before the injury, that he, he was still great putting up numbers, but he wasn't controlling the game like he used to. Um, and so I think as he every year he's just going to depreciate more and more. And so even as that star that's beside him adjusts to LeBron and they work better together, LeBron won't quite be the same that we've guy we've been used to. So uh, yeah, I would I give him I, I leave the door open to win one, but I would bet that he doesn't win another title. Um, in particular, because of the conversation we were having earlier, the intersection with family, and I'm talking to a man with two daughters, I definitely want to ask you this. If Luke Walton is found liable for the uh, current accusations that are on the table, the Kings and the league should do what? He should be fired. He should be fired. You know, And I think a lot of times we as men, Mark, you know, because, look, we both played sports. You know how it is in the locker room. You know, everybody's talking about women and girls and, you know, it's dirty jokes and the whole nine yards. And a lot of times as a man, it's easy, especially in Luke's case, because a rape did not occur. Even though he apparently was trying that, you know, like, you know, he, he obviously was forcing himself on it, if that's true. Um, you know, a lot of guys might, brush it off and yeah it was wrong but you know he let her go and nothing happened but when you have I would say to men who do that think of your daughters or your wife or your mother if, if you have to when you have we all have women in our lives obviously but I, I think of my daughters in a situation like that and if that indeed happened what was going through that woman's mind she didn't know he was going to let her go right you know, she thinks he's, like she said, she thought he was going to rape her, again, allegedly. Um, and the terror, because even as a man, and I'm not going to say a, a man about to rape you or anything, 
But if there's a man that you know is just stronger than you, and like a, a, a professional boxer, a Mike Tyson, if he just started physically assaulting you and you knew <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like this guy is just stronger than me. He's, he can overpower me and do whatever he wants. That's terrifying. So that's the case with most women in a situation with a man. And so I think of my daughters, if they were ever in a situation like that, and it is just like I would never, of course, want them to be in a situation like that, even though nothing happened. And so, yeah, I, Luke would have to be fired. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, it. It should be the case, period, you know, in any time. But certainly in this time with the Me Too movement, the, the NBA could not afford to not fire him. Um, and I want to get this one in there as well, even though I, I have a sense of how you'll answer it. <laughs> is there any chance that Kevin Durant is still a warrior next year? You have in a situation like this, you have to always leave open the possibility for the guy to change his mind, you know, because it's, it's that type of story. It's not a trade. It's not something like that where the player has no control or it's matter of fact. You know, this is in a guy's head. This is just a guy's decision. And so he can obviously change his mind, I mean, based on what happens. Do they win the championship? Does that, you know, make him feel one way or the other? If they lose, does that make him feel one way or the other? You know, what a Kyrie Irving, who he's close with and has been linked to, where does he go? Does he decide? Does Kyrie decide to stay in Boston? You know, because we've all heard the talk about Durant and Kyrie going to the Knicks. Um, so what if Kyrie decides to stay in Boston? They get to the finals and he decides to stay there. That could impact KD. So leaving room open for a change of heart, uh, I'll say there's still a chance. But <laughs> everything I'm hearing, yeah, everything I'm hearing and being told around the league and just looking at the situation and making my own judgments about it, I think he's gone. I think if you ask me about free agency, how I think at this point is going to end up, I think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant go to the Knicks. I think Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers. I think I'm just going to throw this out. I'm not as confident about this one, but Jimmy Butler, I think, ends up with the Lakers. Lakers, right. I'm not I'm yeah, I'm not, you know, saying that as confidently as the other ones. But I think that at the end of the day that's where it could end up. I think Clay resigns with the Warriors. And the interesting thing is DeMarcus Cousins mm -hmm. if K D leaves and with his recent injury, this to me opens the door for him to stay with the Warriors, which I look, if somebody offers him twenty million dollars for a year or whatever, then I, he's probably gotta take that. But from a basketball standpoint, if nobody blows him away with a financial offer, I think it'd be great for him to stay with the Warriors. He, with Durant gone, he would certainly be a 20-point scorer. He'd probably be the second option behind Steph or, you know, 2A with Clay or whatever, 2A, 2B. Um, he'd be able to put up good numbers. He'd be an integral part of the offense. And, and they, I actually think if they win the championship this year, and Boogie stays and KD goes, I think they'd be the favorites to win it next year. <laughs> and I think the mental the mental fatigue that they are clearly exhibiting right now, in my estimation, uh, would be gone because I think 
having not that they don't want KD. I know they want him to stay and all that, but just the newness, the freshness of trying to prove it again without Kevin Durant. Going back to what it was like, you know, before he joined them, when Steph was, you know, I mean, just destroying the league. Like, I think that would be exhilarating to them, and I think that would take away the mental fatigue that they have right now. Chris, absolutely wonderful to finally get this time with you. I appreciate it so, so, so much. Really, really want to thank you for doing it. Man, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could finally do it. I've been begging, dying, begging you to get on. You didn't want me. So I'm just happy that you finally yeah, uh, allowed yeah. me to be on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody believes that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great to catch up with you, man. Continued success. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch again. All right, my man. Thanks a lot. 